Isn't it good to worship together and to remember just how good and gracious our King is? May we be those people who are overjoyed at what God has done for us and and may our hearts be willing to submit to Him as we walk with Him. We are doing this sermon series here entitled Words to Live By. In this sermon series, we're walking through my top ten favorite verses in the Bible, and it's not to highlight me and and what are my favorite verses. In fact, I've been challenging all of you as well, and I'll give this challenge again. I would love to see your list of favorite verses. It doesn't have to be ten. It it can be three. It can be seventeen or whatever. But I'd love for you all. Some of you have already been doing this, and I thank you for it. I have so enjoyed the emails that I've been getting from you, sharing your favorite verses with me. And if there are other of you that are still working on your list and would like to submit them to me, again, my, my plan is to put them all together in one document and send it to everybody at church. And uh, we can just encourage each other with our favorite verses. These are just verses from God's Word that have spoken to us over the years. You know, they're, they're just, you know, every verse is great. Let's just say that. Every verse in God's Word is great. But there are some in particular that God has used to speak to our hearts. And, and throughout this series, one of, the, one of the main goals that I have in this sermon series is, is that we all would treasure Scripture, that we would recognize what a gift it is that God has given His Word to us in our hands and, and even more so in our hearts, that, that God shapes us according to the truth of His Word. So in this series, we're walking through ten of my favorite verses, two per week, uh, so five-week sermon series. And, and let's just remember this. God has given us his word because he loves us and wants us to know him. In fact, that's my big idea for today. God loves us and wants us to know him. Last Sunday we walked through two of my favorite verses. The verses from last Sunday were about how we can receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord and and how we can keep walking with him as Lord. You see, God loves us so much that he sent Jesus for us that even though we were walking on the wrong path, God loved us. And, and through Jesus rescued us, that for anyone who believes in Jesus as Savior and Lord, we were brought from death into life, and we have this new life to live in which we can keep walking with Jesus as Lord. That's what we talked about last Sunday. And, and in this love relationship with, that we have with God, then we, we can know God and we can love God. So that's the, the title for my sermon today is Knowing and Loving God. Although I almost picked a different title, because the verses that we're going to look at today, they talk about this theme of knowing and loving God, but they also both have to do with this idea of, of being on the right path. So I almost entitled my sermon this week, Taking the Right Path. Have you ever taken the wrong path? I, I've shared a lot of stories recently about me taking the wrong path when I'm driving. It's starting to make me question whether I'm a good driver or or a good navigator. Um, I want to I want to share another one. I think I shared this one uh, many years ago, but I'll share it again because I want to highlight this idea of a fork in the road and two paths. Okay. So my friend and I, it was either high school or early in college. Uh, we decided we were going to go down to the cities and see a Timberwolves game at the Target Center. And the Target Center is really easy to find because you've got the big buildings of Minneapolis and it's just right there. So I thought I don't I don't need to get directions. Just Look at the big buildings. Target Center is right there. So my friend and I are driving, and I didn't expect to have to choose at the 494-694 split. That caught me off guard. And I turned to my friend, and I said, do you know which one to take? And he kind of said no. And, and I kind of thought, I, I think we go right here. And you guys know that's not the right place. No, that's not the right way to go. But I didn't know that. So 94 actually stays with 694, but we, I 
shows 494, and that takes you around the city. And remember, I was expecting to see the tall buildings, and that's where I would know the target center. We didn't see any tall buildings because 494 skirts around the side, and we didn't see them. Finally, after a long time, I, I get off the road at a gas station, and I ask the gal there, I say, we're looking for the target center. Can you help us out? And she starts to give me all these directions, and it's not making any sense to me, and I'm just kind of going, uh-huh, 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 and I don't get it. And then all of a sudden, a guy over here is like, no, 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 I think you're giving them directions to target, not the target center. Um, so I said, just point me towards the big building. She's like, oh, okay, you go that way. So we went that way, sure enough, there's the big building, there's the target center, no problem. But it was that, that fork in the road we, we had to go one way or the other. Now, spiritually speaking, this is, this is important. I've been talking a lot about this idea of two paths in the Bible. Now, these verses I'm going to show you, they aren't in my top ten list, although they are close. I, I think Dan mentioned, I have 139 favorite verses now, I, I, now that I went through this project of mine. Uh, I narrowed it down from there to ten, but these, other, these verses are somewhere near the top. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. There are only two paths, and it is so important, spiritually speaking, that we would be on and stay on the right path. Now, the good news about this is that God loves us and wants us to be on the right path with him, and he keeps leading us on the right path. So all that we need to do, really, is to follow him. Because when you think about it, who would you rather have lead your life, God or you? Now, we all struggle with this because we all have plans. We all have thoughts about how we want our lives to go. But I hope that we would recognize right at the top here that, that God is better at leading our lives and that we should follow him and submit to him. So what I'm going to do today in my sermon is I'm going to walk through two more of my favorite verses in the Bible. And actually the first one is two verses, and the next one is three verses, but you get the point. They're, they're, they're just all verses. The first one we're going to look at today is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. I put this one at number 5 on my top 10 list. In fact, it's kind of funny. I preached on these verses last year. Remember we walked through a Proverbs series last year? And when I preached through Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, I said, these verses are probably in my top 10. And now I know they are in my top ten. They're at number five on my top ten list. And I love how they talk about God making our paths straight. He's the one who leads us in ways that are good. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. The book of Proverbs could perhaps be summarized as godly wisdom passed down from a father to a son. There are words to live by. So what I want to do here is I want to point out some of the words in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and we're going to start out with the words trust and heart. We're going to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Now, the world often tells us to trust in our own heart. Uh, I shared this analogy last year when I walked through this. I'll share it again. I kind of like this one. I grew up in the 80s. Uh, the band Roxette had a, had a song that went all the way to number one on the charts in 1989 that was Listen to Your Heart. Do you guys remember that song? The, the, the whole idea of that song is just listen to your heart. If you have a tough choice in life, listen to your heart and your heart will tell you the right way to go. Unfortunately, it's terrible advice because our hearts can so easily, so easily lead us in the wrong direction. 
And I hope you know that about your heart. Scripture tells us that about our hearts, that our hearts can be very easily tempted to take the wrong path. Think about it. You're at that fork in the road, and you've got something that you really want to do. It can be really hard to hear God's voice at that moment, especially if we're so insistent on listening to our own heart. So my advice to you, and I apologize to Roxette, but it's not listen to your heart. It is tell your heart to trust in the Lord. Tell your heart to trust in the Lord. To trust in the Lord, it, it implies a complete giving over of our lives to Him. It's like we talked about last Sunday. Jesus is Lord, and Lord means Master, and because He is our Master, He is the one who leads us. And our lives then are to be committed to following Him in whatever direction He would lead us. And when God leads us, the path is going to be good, like it says at the end of verse 6 there. He will make your paths straight. Now, there may, be very, there may be a bunch of times in our life where God leads us on a path, and we, we might stop and say, God, are you sure about this one? Anybody ever been there? God, are you sure? It doesn't feel very good right now. But I, I hope and I pray that we have the faith to say to God, I trust that your ways are good. Your ways are higher than mine. So I trust in you and not in myself. And that's, we need to remind ourselves of that a lot, that God's ways are better than our ways. Because if Jesus is Lord, it means that we commit to follow him wherever he leads. And as we move on to the second half of verse 5, we see that this trusting in the Lord with all our heart is contrasted with this idea of not leaning on our own understanding. It's our way versus God's way. It's like that fork in the road, and we have to decide which path we are going to take. Are you going to trust in the Lord? Are you going to try to figure this one out on your own? Our, our own understanding would be the way that we think life should go. And again, we all do this. Think about how many times a day we do this. We think about what do I want? What are my plans? What are my dreams? What are my goals? And we start, if we're not careful, we can just automatically follow that. How often do we just stop and pray and say, God, I want to go your way. Would you please lead me? In fact, I want to do a little exercise with you right now. I want you to picture yourself, like in my illustration, you're driving down the road and there's a fork in the road. You have to pick one way or the other. You have to pick left or right. And this, this exercise, it's not about driving a car, okay? That's just the, the analogy we're using. But the, the exercise is about one way is God's way and the other way is your way. And I, and I want you to notice that this fork in the road, just how tempted you are to go your way because it's, it's maybe everything you've ever wanted. Now, we could be talking about a huge life thing, like uh, what job am I going to do? What, what city am, should I move? These sorts of things. Who should I marry? Or we could just be talking about little things, like, uh, God, what do you want my summer to look like spiritually? God, what, what sorts of things do you want me to put into my life and in my schedule that will help me grow in my faith? But I just want you to think about that. You're going down the road, and let's just say this direction is your way, and the other direction is God's way. And I just want you, even in your heart right now, just to say to God, God, I'll go your way. And, and the reason I want us all to do this is because it, it is so easy for us to just keep going our way. So just in your heart right now, in your faith, in, your, in this word picture, I want you to picture going down the road, one, one way says God's way and one way says your way, or, or my way. And I want you to tell God, I will go your way. <coughs> Do not lean on your own understanding. Go on the path that God has for you. 
Now, I actually want to take a little side trip in my sermon here. I, I hope I'm not getting off the path, but I don't think I am. Um, I've mentioned that I, I made a top ten list, but I also had some other verses that were just so close it was hard to not put them in my top ten. Last Sunday I said I had four of them. I've actually added a fifth one. So we're going to do one per week in this sermon series of my honorable mention verses. And the one I want to talk about today is in 1 Samuel chapter 2. It highlights this distinction between honoring God by going his way and dishonoring God by not going his way. Um, a little bit of context from 1 Samuel 2. In that chapter, God sent a rebuke to Eli the priest. Eli's sons were also priests, but it says of them that they were wicked and that they didn't know the Lord. Isn't that awful? They were priests and they had no regard for the Lord. And uh, Eli sometimes joined in their wickedness. One of the wicked things that these priests would do in 1 Samuel 2 was that they would take God's share of the meat offered as sacrifices. And it, and it was so sad because God actually gave them a share of the meat. There are, there are actually Old Testament regulations about what the, what the priests would get from the offerings. But these wicked priests couldn't wait for their share, and instead what they did is they took from God's share even before it had been offered. And, and it was a wicked thing. And sometimes Eli joined in. And it says in that chapter that Eli honored his sons more than he honored God. Do you see him picking his own course in life? And then we get to the verse that's on my honorable mention list. It says in 1 Samuel 2.30, Those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. This is the Lord saying that he will honor those who honor him. But for those who despise him, for those who reject his ways and, and go on their own path, it says that they will be disdained. That word disdained is just the opposite of honor. We're told very clearly in the Bible that there is treasure in store for God's children in eternity. But we're also told that there is punishment for those who reject God. And, and it's just set very clearly before us, again, this, this two paths idea that there is, there's honor for those who honor God by going on the path that he has for them. So what will it be for you? As we get back to Proverbs 3, will you trust in the Lord with all your heart or will you lean on your own understanding? Now, I hope what you've seen is that we should follow God. But what I love about verse 6 is it tells us how to follow God. Because if we're going to follow God, if we're going to know that path that he has for us, we need to get to know him more. So Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. I want to point out two key words in this verse. The first one is the word acknowledge, but as many of you know, because I've said it here many times before, this is better translated simply as the word know. In all your ways, know him. I have a note in my Bible, and I actually, you know, I very rarely write in my Bible, but I did it again. I put a little asterisk in here, and this word is better translated as know. Most translations, for some reason, say acknowledge, but it's just the word for no. I found a, tr a new translation called the Christian Standard Bible. They, they got it, I think, better. It says, in all your ways, know him, and he will make your paths straight. So, we are to know God. Now, how can we know God? Well, the simple answer for how or even why we can know God is because God wants us to know him. I want to throw a bunch of verses at you here, kind of shotgun style, that talk about God's heart for us knowing him and knowing his truth. 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants that for us. John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life 
is wrapped up in this concept of knowing God. John 14, 6-7, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. We can know God because God sent Jesus for us. And then in John 10, 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So, God wants us to know him. God has revealed himself to us. And who has he revealed himself to? Well, it's for anybody who will seek. I love the promise from Jesus in Matthew 7, 7. He said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I've often said, and I'll say it again, that God isn't playing some cosmic game of hide and seek. He would be really good at that if he wanted to be. But he has been pleased to reveal himself to us, to make himself known to us. And it's for all who would seek him, who would be humble and, and would recognize that God's ways are better than our ways. And if we seek him like that, we can find him. We can know him. We can walk with him. And I love how the Apostle Paul talked about knowing God, too. He says, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. You see what Paul's doing here? He's comparing knowing Jesus on one side with anything else on the other side, And he says that knowing Jesus is of surpassing greatness and he considers everything else a loss or rubbish or dung. Because knowing Jesus is is of surpassing greatness. And I I think about that phrase, surpassing greatness, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And and I hope that in your heart that that's how you view Jesus. So is that the way that you view, view Jesus in your walk with him? Is that it is of surpassing greatness to know him, to love him, to walk with him? There are two paths. There's the path where we know Christ and there's the path where we would go the wrong way. And Jesus said that that way leads to destruction. But the good path leads to life. So like it says in Proverbs 3, 6, we are to know God. And when does it say that we are to know God? In all your ways. In all your ways. And I was, I was thinking of Pastor Josh here. All means all, all the time. So in every single thing that we do, everything we do, We are to know God. We are to love Him. We are to walk with Him. We are to go on the path that He leads. And again, like it says in verse 6, God will make our paths straight then as we know Him in all of our ways. So the application here. In whatever we do, we are to do what God leads us to do. That That kind of sounds like a Pastor Josh thing. He would say too. In whatever we do, we are to do what God leads us to do. Along those lines, I was thinking of Colossians 3.17. It says, In whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, your life is not simply about you doing what you want to do. That's the one path. We were doing that illustration, that exercise about the two paths. The one path is what you want to do. The other path is the one that God leads you on. And and we sometimes get so confused about this because we think that the path that we want is going to be better. But, But I hope that you have learned. I hope that you have learned to so trust in God, to trust that His way is actually going to be better because that's the one where there will be joy and peace and contentment as we walk with Him. So, from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't just follow your own understanding, but know God in all of your ways. He will be the one to make your paths straight. So, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, my fifth 
favorite verse in the Bible. I want to move on now to what I call my ninth favorite verse, number nine in my top ten list. It's Philippians 1, 9 through 11, and yes, I can count. I know it's three verses, but I didn't really care about that when I was going through my list. Um, and we're shifting now. We're shifting from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We're shifting from Proverbs to the Apostle Paul, but we're really staying on this same topic of, of knowing God and walking on the path that he has for us. So Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. God calls us to a new life in Christ. And as we think about that new life in Christ, it is so different than our old way of life in Christ. And one of the things that's most striking about it is that it's so hard to live this new life in Christ. Think about all the things that the Bible calls us to do. To live holy lives. To love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love our neighbor as ourselves. Not to complain or argue. Not to worry. All these things that God calls us to do. I hope you see that you cannot do them in your own power. We cannot live the Christian life, the life that God wants us to live. We cannot live that life on our own. So what should we do about it? We should pray. In prayer, we rely on God's strength. So one of the reasons that I picked these verses in my top ten is because I wanted a passage in there that was simply a prayer. I, I love praying the prayers of Scripture. We just did it today in our adult Sunday school class. I want you all to get in the habit of praying the prayers of Scripture because I want you to know the power that is there. When we take God's will as revealed to us in His Word and then we join by faith with Him on the path that He has for us and we ask Him to do the things that He wants us to do. I used to think it was strange to ask God to do the things that He's already told us that He wants us to do. But, but now I get it. I totally get it. God wants our hearts to be in line with his will, so we pray about it. It makes perfect sense to me now. So I, I love this prayer. I want to encourage you to, to take prayers like this, or maybe even exactly this one, and incorporate it into your prayer life, both for yourself and for others. I, I, I love this prayer here. And, and uh, let me just back up a little bit, too. We jumped into the Philippians now, so I want to give just a tiny little bit of, of context for the book of Philippians. Like so many of Paul's letters, this letter was written to a church, to a group of people who had already received Jesus as Savior and Lord, and he was encouraging them in this letter to, to keep going, to live the life that, that God wanted them to live. And one of the encouragements he gave them in chapter 1, verse 6, was this. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So God began that work through the gospel. He, he brought the gospel to these people. They received Christ Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And now what Paul was writing to them was to encourage them to say that God will carry it to completion. He started this work in you. He will finish it. And again, I think of, of all that happens between the time when we receive Christ and the time where we meet God face to face, and there's so much space in there for us to go the wrong direction. Right? We all know that. We all know that we're, we're tempted to take the wrong path. So again, what we need to do is to stop and remind ourselves to take the right path. And one of the things that we should do in regard to that is to pray. So that's why I love praying the prayers of Scripture. And I want to walk through this now. This one in Philippians 1, 9 through 11 starts off with this prayer that our love would abound more and more. In Proverbs 3, 5, we were told to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Our heart is often the place where we think about love, and here the prayer is that our love would abound. 
Now, when I think of love in this specific verse, I think both about our love for God and our love for others. That, that we're, those are the two greatest commands in the Bible, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think that this prayer can be seen as a prayer for both of those to increase, our love for God and our love for other people. And they're connected together. And they're even connected together on a higher level because God loves us first. We love because God first loved us. So the first thing that happens is that God loves us. Now in response, we are to love God in return. And what happens then, and this is so cool, I love this, that as we live in that love relationship with God, both receiving love from Him and loving Him in return, God fills us with His love so that we can overflow with His love to those around us. I often use the illustration here of of an overflowing cup that God is like that never-ending supply of water, and he fills us to overflowing so that we can love him in return and so that we can love those around us. And, and you think about what would happen if we were to remove ourselves from that water supply, from that never-ending love supply of God. What would happen to our love, our love for other people? It would run out, right? We would only have a limited amount of love, and instead of love, all too often we would respond with anger or impatience or bitterness. But as we remain in Jesus, and and I think, again, about John 15, which we walked through recently in in our last sermon series, about how we are to remain in Jesus. Because when we remain in Jesus, God produces fruit through us. And one of the fruits he wants to produce through us is love. So it's this really cool idea that we, we pray for our love to abound. And that word abound can mean overflow. So God gives us all the love that we need. And then moving on in verse 9, we see that this love is meant to abound in knowledge and depth of insight. So again, we get at this idea of knowing God. Our love is to increase. I find it so interesting that Paul prayed that our love would abound in knowledge. What's the connection between love and knowledge? Well, maybe you've heard the saying that to know God is to love God. I think there's a lot of truth in it, that everything that we get to learn about God is going to be good. And, And as we grow in our love for him, we are also to grow in our knowledge of him. And, and here again, we get at this concept of God wanting to reveal himself to us. So God has given his word to us. And as we read his word, we are changed by it. He causes both our love and our knowledge to grow as we meet with him, as we humble ourselves before him. So one of the best things that we can do in our quest to know and to love God is to get to know his word more and more. Although that is the topic of next Sunday's sermon, so I'm not going to belabor the point here today other than to say, let's know and love God more and more and let's let Scripture have its rightful place in our lives as we seek to know and love God and trust Him to help us love those around us. Okay, then verse 10. We get into this idea of discernment, being able to discern what is best, that we might be pure and blameless. I love this word discern. It means to to figure out something, to, to find out its value, um, it's like what appraisers do. It's like this idea of, of finding out the value of something, but it also has the idea here of, of being able to tell what's good and what's not good, of being able to hold on to what is right and to reject what is evil. I want to use an illustration here of garage sales. Do we have any garage sailors here? Um, when you go to a garage, and I'm, I'm going to talk about my wife here, not to pick on her, because uh, she actually did it really well the other day. She was at a garage sale, and uh, she saw a KitchenAid mixer there. She'd been thinking about 
getting one for a long time, but they're kind of expensive, like 300 bucks or something. So she saw one at a garage sale, and the guy had a good, a, a believable story for why he was only selling it for $20. So she got it, and it works, and it's, it's what she wanted it to be. So there was an, an example of discernment at a garage sale. Now, there's been other times um, where uh, Christine comes home from a garage sale, and she opens up the back of the minivan, and I must have this look on my face, and she knows it. And the next thing she says is, but it was only $3, and the next thing I si I'm, I'm thinking to myself, they were laughing at you when you bought that because they should have paid you $3 to get rid of it because now we have to get rid of it because it doesn't fit. It's not going to work. So when, when you go to a garage sale, you have to have discernment. Christine, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I use it as an analogy, I promise. It's not about my wife and garage sailing. That's just fine. No, no problems there. But spiritually speaking, everything about our lives, we need to walk around with discernment so that we would know what is good, what is valuable in God's eyes, and so that we would stay away from what is not good, what is of no value. So what do we do if we're walking through our lives and we recognize that there's something in our lives that isn't good, something that's already there, and, and God points it out to us? What do we do? We, we repent. We flee from it. Or as as we're going through life and we're, we're tempted to go in a direction that we, we think that God doesn't want us to go, what do we do? We flee from it. We, we trust God. We pray. We ask Him to give us that wisdom, that discernment, so that we would know what is best and that we would be pure and blameless. And I love this word pure here. I, I just learned this one this week. This word pure comes from a word that means uh, tested by the light of the sun. Isn't that really cool? So you think about some, you look at something like in dim light or in kind of a dark room and you say, oh yeah, it looks pretty good. And then you, you walk outside into the sun and you hold it up to the light and you're like, oh no, it's not good. So this word pure means that, that we would constantly be lifting our lives up to the sun, Jesus Christ. He, he's our example. Um, we are to be like him. So we lift our lives up to the light of the sun to see if it's pure and blameless. We pray about those sorts of things. And then in the last part of this passage, we see why it matters. Um, I see two lines of reasoning in here that both get at the idea of our purpose in life. First, we are to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now, my last sermon in this series is on the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. So we'll talk a lot more about that one later. So for today, I just want to simply remind you that God wants to produce fruit in us as we remain in Jesus, he produces wonderful, amazing, lasting fruit in us. Things like love and joy and peace. And all these good things. And that gets at the second reason. Uh, the second idea about the purpose of our lives. It has to do with the day of Christ. It has to do with us giving glory and praise to God. You see, when, when we meet Jesus on that day, we will want to have had a bunch of fruit that was produced in our life through Jesus Christ. You don't want to go empty-handed on that day and say, oh, sorry, I didn't live my life the way that you wanted me to. We want to go on that day and have, as an offering of praise to God, we want to have this fruit of righteousness stored up. So we live today with the day of Christ in mind. And that reminded me of a great quote. I love this quote from Martin Luther. He said, there are two days in my calendar, this day and that day. I love how it highlights the importance of both days. This day is important. 
Today is important. It's a day that God has made. It's a day that God has good works planned for us to do. We are to do those things in full faith. We shouldn't be those people who say, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to go to heaven anyways. God will take care of all of it later. Well, yes, God will take care of all of it later, but today still matters. And, and I want us to, to constantly remind ourselves that the things that God has for us to do today matter in light of eternity. We should be so filled with the Spirit that God is producing His fruit through us every day. May God give us that discernment that we might do what is best, that He might fill us with that righteousness because that day is coming and that day matters too. The day of Christ really matters. Again, we're going to want to be able to honor Him with the fruit of righteousness given as like a, a sacrifice of praise to Him on that day. And as we get to know God more and more, He will show us those sorts of things that He has for us, those good works that He has lined up for us to do. And as we conclude this sermon today, let's remember why God will answer prayers like this for us. It's because... God loves us and wants us to know him. I'm so encouraged by this idea that, that God has good things that he wants us to do, but God also strengthens us for these good things because he loves us. And he wants us to go with him throughout our life. We all started on the wrong path. We all started out trusting in our own understanding, following the desires of our own hearts. But God revealed himself to us. He sent Jesus for us so that we could be rescued from that path. Again, every one of us who has received Jesus as Savior and Lord has been rescued from that path and set on a new path in life in which we can walk with God wherever he leads us. And on this new path, God leads us because he loves us. Please know that. It's not like God just loves the super-Christians. God loves all of us and wants to lead us on a good path. So our goal should be to love God more and more and to know God more and more. And because we should recognize that we don't have the power to do that on our own, we should pray that God will strengthen us for those things. So, do your prayers sound like that? Do your prayers sound like you asking God that your love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight? That you would honor Him by doing what is pure and blameless? Are you praying like that for yourself? And are you praying like that for other people? I want to urge you to prayer praise like that. Because as we pray prayers like that, we show that we are not leaning on our own understanding, that we are not trusting in our own heart, but in all of our ways, we are to know Him. And one of the great ways that we can know God in all of our ways is to keep praying to Him. And as we pray and know Him and love Him like that, He will make our paths straight. We show then that we are living not to honor ourselves, but that we are living to give honor and glory and praise to God. That we are living to honor Him. Not like the wicked priests in 1 Samuel who are honoring themselves, but we choose to honor God and to live according to His ways. And as we live with God like that, something else amazing happens. He causes our love to grow, to abound. That we love Him more and that we love others more. God loves us and wants us to know Him. And then I have one last quote here, a quote from J.I. Packer. I was really encouraged to read a couple of chapters in his classic book, Knowing God, this week. Here's what he said. There is no peace like the peace of those whose minds are possessed with full assurance that they have known God and God has known them. And that this relationship guarantees God's favor to them in life, through death, and on forever. This idea of knowing and loving God, again, it starts with God's love for us 
and how he wants us to know him. And when we know God like that, there's this peace and this, this knowing inside of our hearts because the Holy Spirit testifies with our heart that we belong to God and that we can walk with him now and forever on the path that he has for us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this new life and we thank you by faith, knowing that it's so much better than our old life. And Lord, sometimes we struggle with that. God, you know better than we do, but we know it too, that sometimes we struggle with trying to choose our own path in life. Would you remind us how good it is to know you and to love you and to walk with you? Lord, I pray that we would not be people who lean on our own understanding or who trust in our own hearts, but that we would trust in you with all of our heart and that we would know you in all of our ways. And Lord, I pray that our love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. As we know you, that our love would grow. And I pray that also we would discern what is best, that we might be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. God, we don't always know what's right, so we pray that you would guide us into what is right and that we would, we would have the faith to follow you and that you would fill us with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ to the glory and praise of you, God. Again, God, we thank you that you lead us in ways that are good. Please strengthen us to follow. Please strengthen us to know you and to love you more. And again, we praise you for your love for us and that you know us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.